Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use. No doubt starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for September the 5th in the year of our Lord, 2022. This is indeed our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America. That is our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers, one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we still have at our fingertips. And as you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. It is Labor Day. We are live. It is a holiday. And we'll talk about that day in detail, the pros and cons, the good and the bad, the beauty and the ugly, if you will. But man, it's a beautiful, sunny day. I'm on the road and all kinds of stuff's going on today that are that's good. We've got some recommendations of things you ought to do on days like this, by the way, and a whole lot more on your radio. Quick recap of Saturday show. We had Chris Carlson on the radio with us, who always says this, ladies and gentlemen, without God, we can never win. With God, we can never lose. The battle for freedom is the Lord's, but we need to be engaged in the fight, ladies and gentlemen. No doubt about that reality check. Chris and Sam discussed the great reset, ladies and gentlemen. We talked about, quote, Prince Charles, who says we need to put nature at the heart of how we operate. There needs to be a paradigm shift, and there's no time to waste. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the problem is they want you to worship the creation. That's nature or the earth, not the creator. That's God Almighty. They're trying to pit nature against God as they build a modern-day Tower of Babel. But relating to every single aspect of our lives is their agenda with this great reset, dishonest, tyrannical agenda they've got going, globally speaking. Their big stumbling block is the great United States, who believes in God, family, and country, and whose traditions have been the sacred cause of liberty. Klaus Schwab from his book, COVID-19, The Great Reset, we need to build a new social contract. The world as we knew it in the early months of 2020 is no more. Dissolved in the context of the pandemic. You got B.C. before Corona and A.C. now after Corona, ladies and gentlemen. We talked about the head of the United Nations, Antonio Buterres, or whatever his name is. We need to, quote, rebuild, redesign, reimagine, and rebalance our world. I don't even know how to say this wacko's name. Sometimes these people are amazing. Kristalina Georgieva, head of the IMF. This is a great opportunity for a reset. Um, um, what's this guy's name? Emmanuel. What's his name? Uh, Rom. Or Rome Emmanuel. Never let a good crisis go to waste. We talked about Carol Quigley some as well. Bill Clinton's mentor predicted the world financial powers would seek to introduce a global financial power system, a new feudal system, if you will, a system that used to be based on the right of kings. Well, in the future, ladies and gentlemen, it's not going to be on the right of kings at all. 
It'll be based on Gaia worship, environmentalism. It'll be all about the new world order. Everyone will have an ESG score. That's environmental, social, and government score. It'll be like China's credit system. You don't believe in uh, climate change, you're a bad guy, and your credit score goes down. You don't accept the COVID jabs, the death shots. Well, you better start accepting the bioweapon COVID and the bioweapon, quote, anecdote, the shot, or else your credit score will go down. You talk like Sam Bushman, your credit score is absolutely in the tank. We talked about eight incredible predictions by uh, these world monetary groups. Uh, They intend to change everything. You're not going to own anything, but you're going to love it, they claim. This is insanity, folks. That was hour one. Hour two, we continued the discussion. And we talked about total surveillance, vaccine passports, cashless interactions will be facilitated by microchip implants, world currencies, um, human augmentation, cyborgs, if you will. Christian agency will be eliminated, ladies and gentlemen. The Jewish connection cannot be ignored. Why are all the leading drivers of the Great Reset Jewish? Now, don't misunderstand us. We're not saying your neighbor that happens to be Jewish is a bad guy. There's a lot of true uh, religion in the Judaism viewpoint. In fact, we're a Judeo-Christian nation, to make the point. However, some of these elites at the top, though, have what you call a 2,000-year grudge. The Great Reset is a poorly veiled attempt to resettle that score when they killed Jesus Christ. We claim they missed the mark and Christ came. They claim we follow and worship a false Christ. Anyway, Dennis Prager highlights this Jewish revolutionary spirit. Jesus Christ, ladies and gentlemen, has a better plan for us is the whole point. And we, the people, can turn to God Almighty. We can follow the Prince of Peace, and we will preserve this nation and win. Dr. Bradley, on this wonderful holiday, with that introduction, welcome to the broadcast, and I know you'll have plenty to say, sir. You know, it's interesting when we come on board on these things uh, and and you kind of regroup and revisit uh, some of the previous subjects, it's kind of like, oh, I'd like to talk about that. I'd like to talk about, oh, we should talk about that. And before we know it, the hour would be gone with a, with a rehashing of the last show um, and, and some of the issues that are coming through. I might just say one thing about this Jewish connection. But I want to add I, this, though, really quick before you continue, Dr. Bradley. I want to highlight this. The reason that we bring it up with your commentary is because it turns out not to be a rehash. It turns out to be an incredible fleshing out of a topic in a very uh, collegiate way. Uh, and so we do it on purpose because we believe sometimes in an hour or two, as you wisely mentioned all the time, there's just never enough time to really, really dig in and get to the bottom of topics. This lets us kind of add your commentary, your expertise, your historical relevance and knowledge on the topic. Uh, anyway, that's why we do it, just so you kind of understand the method of the madness a little bit, sir. Well, yeah, and I, I'm afraid it is madness to get me involved in some of these things, but the fact of the matter is, it's kind of like you go out on the lake on a boat, and you're trolling around with this lure or that lure, and, and uh, here I am ready to bite at any lure that comes up. You know, it's a, I'm just one of those fish in the ocean that's, uh, that's uh, waiting for something to come by to nibble on. So I, uh, I, the one th- well, there's so much that caught my attention on your rehash, and we ought to probably rehash the rehash at some points. But there are many that would probably take, and I didn't hear your discussion on Saturday, 
about this uh, Jewish reset thing. But I'm, I'm quite concerned that, that there are many, either that want to denigrate uh, the effort of freedom and say, oh, it's all anti-Semitic, they hate Jews, and uh, oh my goodness, oh ain't it awful, you know, they're all Nazis and all this kind of thing. And on the other hand, there are those out there that really are anti-Semitic and so on. And so they kind of feed on each other, and pretty soon everybody's throwing rocks through each other's windows and all that kind of stuff. And, and honestly, uh, I would just say um, I know plenty of really crappy Mormons and really crappy Catholics, really crappy Methodists, and really crappy Masons. And I mean, I, and I use the term guardedly because it's a, it sounds almost like a crude discussion. And just because there are some bad apples, bad actors, people that are, whatever faith, that are, uh, like I say, throwing rocks through people's windows, does not make a whole race or a whole religion or a whole ethnic group or whatever. It, it, it just shouldn't be done however anybody's, you know, the, if, if the group that's, that's always looking for fault with you, say, Sam, they're always trying to cast stones at you and say, oh, man, look at that guy. This is another, this is another nail in the coffin. This guy, see, he's just showed his colors how anti-Semitic he is. Well, the fact that I, I know you well, Sam, and, and I, I don't think that there's a racist or bigoted bone in your body, but when people take things out of context and they spin them, and it can be on either side of the argument. Pretty soon, there's a uh, painting with a pretty broad brush, and it it tends to build acrimony. It tends to build silos of of uh, you know where people are bunkering up against each other. You know, and and I think that uh, I would just say, and again, I wasn't in the discussion on Saturday, so I don't know the drift of it at all. But but uh, your audience ought to understand, and whoever's trying to paint you with that broad brush ought to understand my personal opinion of you is that you're you're not bigoted nor racist nor any of that kind of stuff but the fact is there are people of all races people of all ethnic groups people of all religions that that really take and spin things in such a way that somebody else is going to say oh there's an there's evidence that this person or this group is uh, just just take the subject wrong now anti-Semitic, and and I think it's rather sad when people make broad, generalized statements, and some people on one side or the other of the argument take those things and make them into kind of a whole cloth that they create a whole image out of, and pretty soon it, it, people are denigrated that shouldn't be. And other people are, are building their, I don't know, it, it's kind of their argument. Oh, man. Uh, th- they're saying that the Jewish people it's are their the It's their argument, Dr. Bradley, but it's also their whole persona oftentimes. And that's why I highlighted we are a Judeo-Christian country. Because, ladies and gentlemen, let's be very clear. It's the exploitation of the Jewish religion. It's the exploitation of the Christian religion that has got us in so much trouble. We'll return and discuss this in more detail because Dr. Bradley is absolutely spot on. 
Come celebrate the supreme law of the land at Loving Liberty's Constitution Day Dinner. Have you ever asked yourself, what's so great about America? Find out with guest speakers Lawrence Reed from Atlanta and Jeff Uch from Tucson, Arizona. We will also be introducing our new podcast, Ask an Immigrant. Join us Saturday, September 17th at 7 p.m. Located at Liberty Hall, 3677 North 2000 West, Far West, Utah. Get your tickets today at lovingliberty.net. That's lovingliberty.net. Have you ever had great honey? No, I mean really good, all-natural, raw honey? Well, now you can, thanks to localhoneyman.com. We can ship out our locally made honey all across the U.S. So don't worry, you won't miss out. Plus, Local Honey Man has so many different flavors, like Utah Wildflower, High Desert Delight, Happy Valley, and Blackberry, just to name a few. So purchase your delicious raw honey today at localhoneyman.com. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the Lion of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. All right, we are live on Labor Day, ladies and gentlemen. Dr. Scott Bradley, to preserve the nation, his collegiate series and lifelong goal to match, available at freedomsrisingsun.com. And not only can you get the incredible to preserve the, to preserve the nation collegiate homeschooling series and more there, but you can also join the webinars that are weekly conducted by Dr. Bradley that are absolutely out of this world. Q&As on the Constitution discussions of modern day political topics it's really tnt ladies and gentlemen today's news today uh but put in the context of a constitutional to preserve the nation uh reference point viewpoint complete understanding bringing the founding fathers expertise knowledge debates and everything all together uh, in a very educational series uh, it's weekly it's interactive and it's available to preserve the nation um that's the goal at freedomsrisingsun.com. The website is freedomsrisingsun.com. Anyway, I digress, but I wanted to give a big old shout-out for that. So, Dr. Bradley, I interrupted only because of the break. You are spot-on about this, and really the whole point is, you know what, we're a Judeo-Christian country, uh, and more has been done to destroy life, liberty, property. Uh, more has been dis- done to destroy all that we hold dear by governments and the exploitation of one's religion. In the name of Judaism, we need to do this. In the name of Christianity, we need to do that. In the name of Islam, we need to do this or that. Or, and it's those who exploit religion of any kind that become really, the, uh, in my opinion, the enemy of us all. Not because of religious differences, not because of racial or ethnic differences, but because they hate liberty and they are exploiting 
uh, good people and religion on the altar of their tyrannical agenda, sir. Your thoughts? Sure. Um, two of the most passionately, we seem to be hardwired uh, with with a, a number of things. Uh, you know, a real man is hardwired to protect the female. Okay, I mean, it's just the way it is. And, and all of the gender nonsense. And it's the way it is, and it's the way it ought to be, by the way. It is, true. And so this nonsense we do, where we do this flaky, uh, destroying our combat readiness and our unit cohesiveness and everything with, with uh, female integration into combat units and this transgenderism, blah, 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 blah. I, I just bring that up. There's hardwired things. The male, a real male, is hardwired to protect the female. And, and some other hardwired things that seem to be very central to our very existence is our, our beliefs about freedom. So our political beliefs, you might say. If you are a communist at heart, if you're a Nancy Pelosi or a Kamala Harris or a Joe Biden or, I mean, I could name a bunch of Republicans like uh, Mitt Romney or Orrin Hatch or any of those kind of guys too, where they, they really truly do want to use the force of government to basically lord over people they're passionate about that some of us are passionate about liberty this gift of agency that i truly believe is god given is hardwired in me and i'm going to defend agency which is liberty and it you can't have liberty truly without proper government too much government or too little government you end up having tyranny of some level or flavor the other thing is religion and so i believe we're hardwired to worship I think that, that um, it, it comes in our hearts. Some people worship the wisdom of man. That's the humanists. That's the false philosophy of, of a, a godless religion that is the national religion of America today. It's taught in our public education systems, and, and you get your higher degrees and wear the black robes in the university. All of those kinds of things that are going on. But religion is a passionate, your belief in God. That's why they say don't talk about religion or government or politics in family reunions. Well, that's because you've always got somebody that wants to take it off on a tangent and beat the snot out of somebody else that has a different opinion than them. So, so these kind of passionate kind of things are very, very easily captured and skewed by those that want to abuse, ultimately, that passion. So, I mean, Hitler's uh, crew in, in, uh, in Germany during World War II and before prayed to the god that they believed in. Oh, they're Lutherans. Oh, they must all be bad. No, they're not. I mean, the fact of the matter is that people play up this religious fervor. They took the Crusades. The Pope took the Crusades to the Middle East, out to Palestine, slaughtered countless numbers of people. It built an acrimony between uh, the Muslims and, well, they weren't Muslim in those days. Well, yeah, they were. I mean, not completely, though. But, but the this idea of Allah and, and the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the, the Christian God, if you will, or the Judean God, there's an acrimony that's built. And these things are played today. When we're involved in Syria, for example, it's a religious war. It is a religious war, and I sure wish there was time to talk about that, how we're being played as it, fools. It is a religious war, but it's an exploitation of religion war. It is indeed. It's, because it's the religious the th- people would truly be peaceful by nature. They all want to be left alone. They want to worship how, where, or what they may. They all want the same, basically the same things, Dr. Bradley. But when that gets exploited and manipulated and uses a divisive um, 
controlling mechanism, that is the quintessential problem. It, it is. And that, I mean, uh, right now, we are playing around in the sandbox over in the Middle East, and it's, it's an acrimony that has as its basis the religion. Whether it's Sunni versus Shiite or Jewish versus Sunni or Jewish versus Shiite or, or Christians that are helping Jews or whatever's happening there, we are engaged in killing other people that don't even know why we're there. And really, if you ask the, oh, I'm there to, ser to serve and to, to save my nation, who? What, what risk? And you say, oh, well, the 9-11 thing happened. 9-11 would have never happened. Had there been, uh, had there not been blowback on other previous problems, and we could talk about that at length. Almost everything, the people get sucked in on something, and the war becomes theirs because of their personal suffering. It, it's like, no, uh, no, you, you guys don't have anything to do with this until somebody plays, puts a spin on it, and suddenly it's your war. It's like what happened in the Audrang Valley. In Vietnam, it, it wasn't an American war until we got a battalion mixed up with a couple other battalions of NVA in the Audrang Valley, and it became America's war. No, the GIs that were walking down that trail and spent a few days slugging it out with the NVA, it uh, bloodied on both sides. It was amazing. I mean, it's an incredible thing. But what came out of that was the United States adopted that war as ours. And, and it really wasn't. But by our own suffering, we became invested in it. And that's what people play up on religion oftentimes. They, they get people whooped up about some religious schism someplace. I mean, and this is Marxist, by the way, in its whole origins. So Marx was astute on some things. I mean, he, uh, it's kind of like obvious. I mean, how would you overlook it? But he always felt like there was supposed to be a conflict that you played up. Uh, this uh, this idea of not letting a, any kind of disaster pass without getting the full benefit out of it. Marx was ma a magnificent, men against women, you know, labor against uh, management, religion against religion, or race against race. All of these things, these acrimonious things are played up, and who wins? The military-industrial complex, the New World Order. Every time government us. becomes the benefactor of the Hegelian dialectic used against us all. And they do this multi-generationally as well. You know, we still hear that there needs to be reparations for slavery, or we hear that there needs to be uh, reparations for Germany in invading this country. Uh, now they're talking about, uh, you know, Germany paying reparations or whatever. And, and they well, do yeah, it generationally, and they do it nation to nation. Any divide point they can find and exploit is their cause, those who want tyranny, doctor. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you look at what happened after World War One. Boy, that Versailles Treaty, we're going to stick it to these guys. I mean, the Germans were all at fault. No, wait a minute. Austria and Bosnia started slugging this out when they shot the, uh, the Archduke, okay? And everybody started looking to their big brother. Austria looked to the Germany as their big brother. Um, Bosnia looked to Russia as their big brother. Pretty soon, all these entangling alliances, and we had a conflagration that filled the whole world. Well, okay, so now we're going to blame the whole thing on Germany. Germany ends up being basically put in the frying pan and in the fire, and, and they pour gas on it, when the, what they did with that Versailles Treaty and the reparations. That led directly and unequivocally to World War II. 
Uh, it it's it's sowed the seeds and set the stage of the rise of, you know, those stupid fascists, goose-stepping fascists that that came out of the beer hall pooches in 1920s and 30s, and pretty soon everybody's slugging it out again. And to tell you the truth, there has been so little Christianity in Christianity, or you look at some of these other religions that that they could look to their leader, if you will, to build a case for being able to live with their brothers and sisters on earth and maybe by their example, if they're so sure of their religion, get them converted to their religion. I don't know. You don't have to use the sword to do it, for crying out loud. But do it by patience. Do it by long-suffering. Do it by love unfeigned. Follow the Prince of Peace is the way I want to do it. But I want to preserve God, family, and country. We'll do it in seconds on your radio. Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Tennessee heiress Eliza Fletcher's kidnapping early Friday morning has resulted in an arrest. A resident at her vigil on Fox News over the weekend. And she's just a beautiful person, and um, it's just awful to see the evil that's in the world. Police say they have video of the abduction, and they have arrested Cleota Abstin, who is not cooperating with police. His bail is set at $500,000, and the whereabouts of Ms. Fletcher is still unknown. Responding to President Biden's scathing assessment of Republicans last week, President Trump held a rally in Pennsylvania on Saturday. But Philadelphia was a great choice because the city is being devastated under Democrat rule. Devastated. We love Pennsylvania. I went to school in Philadelphia. What's happening to Philadelphia? Fourteen people were shot last weekend in Philadelphia. Fourteen. Wendy Bell here for my friends at Swiss America. Did you know the U.S. Constitution authorizes only two forms of legitimate money, gold and silver? That's right. But our government abandoned gold and silver a half century ago. Meanwhile, gold and silver prices have rocketed in recent years due to growing economic uncertainty. So to help my listeners, Swiss America has a very special offer today. Silver Walking Liberty half dollars at the amazingly low price of $12.50 each delivered. You heard me right, $12.50. Call now to reserve your silver coins at 800 630 1490. That's 800 630 1490. Silver Walking Liberty half dollars for just $12.50 each delivered while supplies last. Put a silver lining in your financial portfolio now by calling 800 630 1490. 800 630 1490. President Biden failed on another campaign promise made in August of 2020. I promise you, as president, I'll never put you in the middle of politics. A person of indebtedness, I'll never use the military as a prop. President Biden used the United States Marine Corps as a prop for his campaign scathing of Republicans last week in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania GOP gubernatorial candidate Doug Mastriano on Newsmax. And we come in uh, with uh, Sleepy Joe giving a very dark, sinister speech, you know, painting his political adversaries as, as, as these enemies of the state, you know, bedecked with Marines behind him. That's probably a hash act violation of some sort there. I didn't hear anything about China or Iran, or about our energy crisis. It, it was all about trying to destroy his political foes. So a man in Mississippi decides to steal a plane. 
A man, Mississippi police say, notified them he was flying a plane and intended to crash it into a Walmart is now in police custody. After circling above remote areas for more than an hour, the plane crashed in a remote area with no casualties. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let me just do a quick side note per the bottom of the hour news. No, no crashing into Walmarts, okay? Ladies and gentlemen, this stuff, more and more we hear, is psychotic. When it comes to shooting people, no, no, unless it's self-preservation, protection of wives and children and families and loved ones and innocents. Violence, no, no. Exploitation of religions, no, ladies and gentlemen. Listen, Joe Biden, the unity guy, now is really fighting back and attacking people left and right. No, no to all this stuff, ladies and gentlemen. But religion is being exploited intergeneration even generationally it's being exploited and we've got to see this for what it is and call a halt to that con game with education dr bradley in a peaceful productive sense well like i was saying earlier the the tendency is to take some of these passionate hardwired feelings that we have and to somehow say oh we can spin this into something that will bring us the outcome we want, which like might, it might be the New World Order, the Great Reset, it might be some level of greater socialism, or, or even destroying God in the country altogether. And so that's what happens, is they, they build whomever's in charge, whether it's a religious leader or it's a political leader or whatever. Here's something that St. George Tucker said back in 1803. He talks about the personal claims of the sovereign. Let's say the sovereign is a, a religious leader, or it's a, a monarch. I, I don't care. You, you pick whatever leader you want to stuff in that, in that terminology. The personal claims of the sovereign are confounded with the interests of the nation over which he presides, and his private grievances or complaints are transferred to the people who are thus made the victims of a quarrel in which they have no part until they become principals in it by their sufferings. So, you know, if you if you can get people all whipped and up... Or, and or by their deceptions. A lot of times lies are told, false flags are conducted, etc., etc. If the people are slow to anger, slow to war, as we would teach us to be, then they will do something to change the narrative by deception to draw us into. In hindsight, when you look back at it, you go... Well, we shouldn't have believed in that lie or believed in that narrative. And I'll give you an example. George Bush did this very clearly when he said, hey, you know what? They've got weapons of mass destruction over there. You guys have got to come on board with this. See, that's that deception manipulation propaganda we're talking about that draws us into and makes us principles. So it's either suffering or deception that draws us into these kind of, uh, in my opinion, divisions that are exploited intentionally so for a tyrannical agenda or for an agenda that we we the people if we if we saw the clear plain uh, reality of it in other words the whole picture we would never ever go for it doctor you know it's interesting and we can look at times when there were clearer heads uh, where wisdom prevailed i mean you look back at the chesapeake affair during the jefferson administration there was a British warship involved, and yeah, it was an act of war. Everybody started pounding the war drums, and we, you know, Jefferson, take us to war. And he said, no, it's not my job. You know, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 11 says it's the Congress job. Congress wasn't meeting at the time. Let's get them together. Let's gather the facts. Let's take some defensive action to make sure that further 
uh, injustice is not done and so on. But I'm not taking the nation to war. Uh, Jefferson did just that and cooler heads prevailed. We didn't go to war. It's a good thing too. We weren't ready for it. They would have they would have whooped our tails and taken us back under their under everything. They, we would have been colonies again. But the fact of the matter is not today. And and we believe false narratives. I'm sitting here I I looking at the uh, 9/11 commission report. Holy Hannah. If you believe that Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy and the Easter Bunny are your buddies. I mean, this stuff that we bring out about it, that this 9-11 incident, we no more have publicized the full truth on that than fly. And, and we are still laboring under, and, and we're, inva in, we're involved, we've invaded, we're, we're killing thousands of Americans, we're killing hundreds of thousands of people in the Middle East because of the false narrative that's there. But who keeps winning? The New World Order and the military-industrial complex. It's one of those things where we just get sucker-punched on every single turn. And and it's something that we've got to pay more attention. Quit worrying so well, much and, about and the Well, and a lot of times it's the propaganda of the mainstream press. You know, our founding fathers warned us of these massive corporations and warned us of this, you know, massive march to labor and unions and uh, you know, these kind of things. That, that they didn't believe in this ultimate control. They believed in individuals who owned their own small businesses, who were entrepreneurs and farmers, and they were close to the earth, and they had a whole different viewpoint on the affairs of individuals, families, and the nation at large, Dr. Bradley. And I think because of these huge corporations, uh, they control the complete narrative. There's only a few lone voices out there like ours uh, to throw any opposition to it or throw a... Uh, a, a different viewpoint, I would call the true narrative. There's only a few truth tellers amongst us these days. If if people can't see the biases, you know, and I'll say, yeah, I've got a bias. I've got a bias for liberty and proper government. I've got a bias to God. I've got a bias to my family. I've got a bias to the to my fellow man. And and it, hopefully people can tell from the discussion so far today, I have empathy and sympathy for people in other countries. These poor little I mean, waifs in many instances, the very young and the very older who dies first when we take out a, a national grid like in Iraq, hundreds of thousands of children, hundreds of thousands of older people, their systems are not able to take, you know, uh, water that's not purified because you've taken out the uh, water purification programs or the raw sewage that's now not cared for. I, it's astounding what happens. I have empathy and sympathy for those people every bit as much as a child in our country. And, and to me, it's, it's ungodly, it's atrocious, it's, it's absolutely abominable what we're doing around the world right now. And, and I'm just using war as an example. But the fact of the matter is, we, we the people need to pay more attention. We need to think beyond the end of our nose. Connect the dots, people. If we can't see when we're being sucker punched, you know, back when I was in high school, which was a long time ago, people say, you don't remember high school. Yeah, I kind of do. And we'd have those pep rallies, you know, fight, win, kill, all this kind of stuff. We're going into a football game, whatever. And you know what? The kids we were playing against were kids just like us. You know, the, the, the young men on the opposite team that we might be button heads with on the field, they went to church in their local congregation. The little girls, and they're little girls. When you're in high school, you're a little girl, you know, or a little boy. I hate to, re to tell you people, but, but you're kids. 
hardly out of the area in, in time when you might cross the street alone without holding somebody's hand. And yet they try and whip everybody into a frenzy. And, and I, it used to just astound me. I'd step back away from the rally and say, what the heck are we doing? They're people just like us. And you say, oh, it's all in fun. You know, be true to your colors and your school and all this kind of nonsense. Really? Really? What they're doing, I mean, think of gang colors. How different is that? And you look at What about at being stuff. true to my God and to my family and to my country? How about that, ladies and gentlemen? Yeah, it's not a bad idea. Uh, I mean, it used to just absolutely astound me that you could get everybody whooping together and jumping up and down and doing the wave and, and foaming at the mouth and everything. We, I mean, all of the fights that happened after a football game or a basketball game, and it's like, are you kidding me? This really isn't one of these drop-dead important events in anybody's life. But whipped you to that. And that's what we do with 9-11 events, in spite of the fact that it's a completely choreographed outcome that has been well thought through. You know, the weapons of mass destruction that Saddam Insane had over there. Really? We didn't find one. That guy couldn't get a Piper Cub off the ground without us shooting it down. And, and it's, it's this great threat. Well, it migrates over time. It comes to our shores. There's blowback. People end up paying the price for the falsehoods that we believe. And we've got to start paying attention and start looking at the truth as it's, I don't, it astounds me that people don't take things to God as much as they take them to their local newscaster. Holy cow. The COVID nonsense? Holy cow. We could talk for hours about how we were whooped into a frenzy over a nothing burger. And I just, I just can't hardly believe how easily manipulated we are in a society where we become addicted to technology and technocrats and everything. You know, if we rewrite the Constitution, which there's a huge movement to do, the technocrats will probably run things. And that's, you know, you want Bill Gates to do that? Or Jeff Bezos? Or not on your life. We not only cow. take things to the, to the media that we should be taking to God, but we also take things to the public square or to the blogosphere or the social media that we ought to be taking to our families, to our husbands and wives, to our mothers and fathers, to our brothers and sisters. Uh, in a meaningful way, we can make a difference there as well. Ladies and gentlemen, hang tight. Final segment in seconds with the good Dr. Scott Bradley on your radio. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans, who are they? Democrats, who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? 
The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. Do you treasure your liberty? Well, at LovingLiberty.net, we most certainly do. And we want to help protect your liberty, too. Become part of the family. Everyone knows that the core of any society is the family. Therefore, the government should foster and protect the integrity of its family. We the people. Won't you join us as a Loving Liberty sponsor to help us promote the principles in the 5,000-year leap? Let's restore the miracle that changed the world at LovingLiberty.net. As you are aware, America is divided over every fault line possible. This is intentionally fostered by those who do not love God, family, or country. We believe a peaceful future as a free people absolutely depends on civility. Clarion Call for Civility is looking for funding and volunteers at every level to make our hopes and efforts a reality. Please donate, sign our pledge, and help us in our sacred cause. Please visit callforcivility.com for more details. Callforcivility.com. Back to the great divide on every fault line possible by those who want to promote and focus on tyranny. They exploit all situations. They take things to the extreme. And in that, then, they create divide, hatred, mistrust, divisive propaganda that absolutely betrays everyone, whether it's religion, sex, um, you know, ethnicities, race, uh, age, <laughs> generationally. They don't care Whatever divide serves their purposes just fine. Dr. Bradley, on Labor Day, because we are live for Labor Day, I want to get this in. The same thing's done with the workforce. You know, you've got the private small business owner versus big business. You've got the employee versus employer. And they exploit that to the degree. They've done this for literally generations uh, since the beginning of time, where they literally then create, you know, blocks of employees that then take down the employer. Uh, unions, forced unionism, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Again, it's just this communist manifesto in our face, whether it's socialism or communism. All these roads lead to the same place, doctor. Indeed, they do. This idea of conflict is not conflict management. It's encouragement. I mean, you look at this Labor Day kind of thing here, and, and even <laughs> Labor Day. Okay, Labor Day. Oh, Labor and management, that's it. There's a connection to communism there, too. It's interesting, by the way. May Day is a big communist, uh, you know, brouhaha, get-together kind of thing. May Day, May 1st, 1776, is when the Illuminati was, was uh, founded in Bavaria. And uh, it is kind of like they're the modern communists. I believe they were ancient communists, too, and we could talk about that in some length. But the fact of the matter is that the uh, Illuminists became, you know, the principal movers in the uh, French Revolution. And then they became the League of Just Men later on in the early 1800s. They changed their name to the communist thing. But the May Day things that go on in communist countries are really a celebration of the founding of the Illuminati and uh, their originators, if you will, in modern times. Well, back in the middle of the 1800s, there was a big kind of argument. Do we... Do we, as labor, these uh, communist kind of movements, do we push for a, a big holiday May 1st, 
or do we push for one somewhere later so that, um, you know, we labor gets recognized. And it, it really was tied into a communist movement. And, and the, the origins are rarely, if ever, discussed anymore. But this idea of labor and management, how they're in conflict, that, wait, wait, wait. Stop for just a minute. What is one of the most natural, most synergistic, best unions of, of effort would be labor and management? They both succeed. You keep your job and management makes money or whatever they're in business for. I mean, men and women, don't make a fight over things. You get a, a synergistic movement going with the husband and wife, they're unbeatable. Uh, you, you look at anything that are natural, synergistic partnerships, if you will, and somebody's always trying to drive a wedge in there. And and I just am blown away. And, and these partnerships, is, Doctor, are meant to be complementary, not adversarial. And right. you look at Labor Day and labor and stuff. There's a way. The pie, if you believe in the free market, ladies and gentlemen, the pie is plenty big enough. And you know what? By hard work, ingenuity, prayer, put all that together, and the pie can get bigger. It's not a finite pie, Doctor. Well, you think about it for a minute. The ACLU or the... Uh, uh, the what uh, just give me some of the uh, the union co- you know the, the teamsters or whatever well, g- those guys drive trucks provided by management let's just say okay i mean it's like why should we hate each other's guts well that's so you can s- build a schism that's that shifts power causes conflict and ultimately and finally disrupts a, a synergistic program that should be very successful and and with, with some kind of cooperation between each other, we can all win. You know, you talk about a pie. It's not a, it's not a win-lose kind of situation. Everybody can win this thing. And that's kind of the way it is. That's the way it was designed by the American Founding Fathers when they talked about the idea of a more perfect union and the idea of the welfare, you know, the general welfare. Th- that, that had nothing whatsoever to do with redistributing wealth and the conflict. No. Everybody's in this together. I mean, George Washington talked about us with slight shades of difference. We're very similar. We really are. I mean, whether it's our religion or or, or our beliefs or anything like that, we we're in this together. And and what's happening today? It's just astounding to me how many people absolutely hate the other half of the nation. You know, here here's what uh, here's what Washington say said. The name of American, which belongs to you in our national capacity, must always exalt the just pride of patriotism more than any appellation derived from local discriminations. With slight shades of difference, you have the same religion, manners, habits, and political principles. You have in a common cause fought and triumphed together. The independence and liberty you possess are the work of joint councils and joint efforts of common dangers, sufferings, and success. Hey, guys, we're in this together. And, and you know, you, you hear the war drums beating, whether it's to go against another country or to go against some regional antipathy here. Somebody wants to, you know, take away your birthday. I don't care. People are just, they're egged onto a fight when there really shouldn't be a fight. And, and usually, I believe, let's just take the Mexican War, for example. I mean, I'm all over the place, I know. But that was an unjust war that should never have happened. And I think God was mad at the United States over that. I think it was one of the principal reasons that God said, 
it's time for you guys to have a comeuppance in the Civil War because you guys have done a lot of really stupid things that, that are in my face, and I'm not going to put up with it. it the, the nation was going to be chastened. The United States was in negotiations with Mexico to obtain what they ultimately ended up with, really, and they were going to pay gold for it, and they ultimately paid gold for it. And the Mexicans were reluctant to do it, not because it was a bad deal, but because they didn't think that the next government, which happened regularly in Mexico, the revolutionary forces gained power, and ultimately the communists in, in Mexico kind of held the reins. But at any rate, the point was, no, no, it's a good deal for the United States and for Mexico. But the Mexicans were afraid the next revolutionary government that came in wouldn't honor it. They needed to work through that. If we had negotiated a few more weeks, we could have avoided the deaths of 18,000 Americans and 20,000 or 22,000 Mexicans. It was so stupid. But everybody had to, had to have it right now. We're going to do this. You know, and it's like, no, no, it's a little more diplomacy. will work this out. It'll be fine. We ended up paying the gold for the land that was already on the table. It was almost identical with the agreement we had. But 18,000 Americans and 22,000 um, Mexicans had to die. 40,000 deaths. How do you think God feels about that? I think that was one of the principal reasons. One, there was multiple, by the way, of why we had the so-called American Civil War. I think and ladies and gentlemen, I pray we don't go to war in America, whether it be with other nations. We're on the brink of uh, inserting ourselves in the middle of the Ukraine-Russian war. I know we've uh, you know, put a lot of money and time and effort and back different sides. I pray we get out of it. We're in over 130 nations, militarily speaking. I pray we back down from that, follow the Prince of Peace, avoid foreign entanglements as our founding fathers and George Washington, one of the greatest generals ever known, uh, indicated we should. We should, you know, hey, have peaceful relations with all. We should have uh, economy uh, with all, but we should have uh, alliances uh, and, and, and foreign entanglements. You know, we should really avoid those like the plague. You know, this is what we need to do. And when it comes to the economy and Labor Day, as we kind of wrap up, look, that pie is not just a cast pie of a certain size. The harder we work, the more we love, the more we work together, the more we prosper, the more we um, relate to other nations in a meaningful, productive, safe way, the more that pie can grow. Okay, that pie is not a finite size. And so everyone can win if we are not greedy, if we do not let government insert guidelines and rules and mechanisms to pull the lever in favor of one at the expense of others, etc., I can go on and on. But I want you to understand the great divide right now is labor versus employment, employer. And the other great divide is, again, between the Republicans and the Democrats. Neither divide has any value in the great republic in which we should all come together to have peace and prosperity, Doctor. Okay, every time we have some little hiccup in the country, I can't tell you, you probably get the same thing, these same emails I do. Somebody said, oh, you got to send me money, I'll help get rid of this problem. You know, whether it's the United Nations uh, Treaty on Small Arms, that can't kill the Second Amendment. It cannot kill the Second Amendment, unless we act like it can. But every time the, it raises its ugly little head, Everybody that's that's in favor of the right to keep bear arms sends me emails and sends send me twenty bucks and I'll make sure that we still keep our right to keep bear arms. 
everybody uses it for a beneficial thing for their own little fiefdom that they've got, you know. And, and it's like, holy Hannah. It, it's, it's become a mercenary kind of approach to things. And we've got to start looking at a bigger picture. And, and I think the God that we worship is a big picture. I don't know if you can get any bigger. The whole universe is in his hands. And, and he created this land of liberty. He created this world. He created all the people on the earth and all the things that are there, whether they're plants or animals or the sky, the moon, the stars, whatever. And he is really, it's a system, it's his. And, and he really knows how best to run things. And, and if we had a little bit more tapping into that wisdom, I think we'd have a whole lot less of the mess that we've got on our hands right now. It's just astounding to me how we seem to be bent on taking the, the saddest, most difficult path. I mean, it's like, holy cow, there is a, a, a pleasant path, and, and we can travel it. But, nah, I'm going to try something else. Nah, I, I, <laughs> are you kidding me? I know better than God. I mean, that's kind of the attitude we have. And it's a sad scenario that we allow ourselves to be put into, and media whoops it up, and, and, the, and even some religionists, I mean, different sectarian people. I mean, there are many that want to take us to war on behalf of one country or another around the world. And, and it's like, no, wait, wait. There is a process, and deliberativeness, and justice all has to enter into this thing. And, and we and ladies and gentlemen, let's, let's be clear because we're about out of time. Sorry to interrupt, Dr. Bradley. That's okay. But I want to say this before we end. You know what? The Prince of Peace is who we follow. Uh, and you know what? Let's not exploit any of these divide lines. Let's not go extreme. Let's not be bipolar. Let's not divide and conquer. Let's not divide and destroy. Let's not let, you know, whatever go to waste and crisis and Let's step back and say we have a plan. It's called God, family, and country. We have a plan. It is to protect life, liberty, and property. We believe looking to God rather than government is the answer. We believe following the Prince of Peace is the solution. We believe that the United States was built upon these principles, articulated and codified in the supreme law of our land, the Constitution. For the United States of America, it is the greatest document on the earth devised by man to balance and create the proper role of government for the safety of us all. Let's look to the right sources for solutions, ladies and gentlemen, and let's spend our time on Labor Day in pursuits that, that establish what we believe in and return to to preserve the nation. FreedomsRisingSun.com. LibertyRoundTable.com, LovingLiberty.net. We declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America. Broadcasting live. From atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, West. you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use, no doubt, continues now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for September the 5th. 
in the year of our Lord, 2022. This is our two of two, and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed. We believe in and promote the supreme law of the land, the blueprint for liberty, the Constitution for the United States of America. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a rich, beautiful country. We are indeed live for Labor Day. We don't preach doom and gloom for the greatest country on the face of the earth, ladies and gentlemen. We literally believe in prosperity, safety, peace, and freedom. And we can do it all by working together for the sacred cause of liberty. Don't you believe for one second that we have a negative nation, ladies and gentlemen? This is a wonderful, positive, blessed nation. All right. We've got our buddy, Lowell Nelson on your radio welcome back to the broadcast he's with campaignforliberty.org and ronpaulinstitute.org welcome back Lowell, and happy labor day to you and your family sir well thank you sam it's good to be with you on this labor day holiday weekend uh, broadcasting on liberty roundtable what a blessing all right ladies and gentlemen biden has lost his mind in my humble opinion all right uh, we really, he wants to literally give students just free money. He wants to just absolutely uh, deliver nothing but free money to them at the expense of you and I. But since we're in debt, really, it's at the expense of our children. Ron Paul wrote a riveting column on this very topic, Lowell. And that column is posted at campaignforliberty.org, also at ronpaulinstitute.org, and also at lewrockwell.com. As usual, Sam, it is well worth our consideration because a couple of weeks ago, President Biden announced this new program to forgive $10,000 of student loan debt for those with income under $125,000 annually and a $20,000 uh, for borrowers who are Pell Grants recipients. Well, how did Biden justify his actions? He now claims a 2003 law allowing the Education Department to waive or modify provisions of federal student financial assistance programs to help students affected by war, other military operations, or a national emergency. Well, he believes that uh, he has a national emergency on his hands. He believes this debt forgiveness is necessary because of the continuing COVID national emergency. Sam, don't you think it a bit odd that Biden would claim that COVID is still a national emergency when even the CDC stopped recommending lockdowns and masks and social distancing, which we, of course, discussed here on this show last week? <laughs> it just uh, boggles the mind, but that's what he claims. Uh, COVID, national emergency, therefore, that gives me authority to forgive these, these debts. Well, let me, let me stop you, though, and say I find it beyond odd. I find it yeah. literally um, Im an impeachable offense, Lowell. He has no authority. Remember, in America, we believe in checks and balances. And what that means is that everybody has their own lane. You've got on the you know, general level, you've got the judicial, that's the courts, the legislative, that's the Congress, House and Senate, both houses, if you will. Uh, you got the executive, that's the president. They have all the, their own lane. And the Constitution, the contract with the people, if you will, articulates the lane each person or each group is in, in the three branches of our government, and articulates what they have authority to do and not to do, right? And so we need to understand that he's acting outside of his scope of delegated authority to the point of it's impeachable. 
He has no authority to do this. He's putting the backs of the debt either on us if we go in more debt, which we cannot handle, and or putting on the backs of our children and our grandchildren. To me, this is beyond odd. It's an impeachable offense because it's based on a lie, a lie that we're in a national emergency, supposedly making us believe that he can take on extra authority that is not delegated to him because of the crisis. Okay, this is an absolute, uh, in my opinion, dictatorial move that's unconstitutional, without precedent, without authority. I mean, I can go on, Lowell, but I'm articulating this is the problem. It's beyond odd. It is literally criminal, Lowell. You're exactly right, Sam. In fact, the 2003 law uh, about the Education Department is probably unconstitutional as well because the states did not give authority to the general government to do what they call wealth transfers, right? Taking, taking money away from one group of, of people and give it to another. I mean, that's nowhere in the Constitution. Well, some may say, well, it's the General Welfare Clause, but it doesn't even pass the General Welfare Clause because, you know, general welfare means that whatever action is taken, it, it, it benefits everybody. Well, in this case, you've got people who, whose money gets taken away from them and given to another group of people that hurts one group that helps another. That is not the general welfare. So it doesn't even pass the general welfare test, Sam. Boy, what you're right. Mean? You're right is a fact because general welfare really meant, hey, we're going to have peace between the states. Uh, we're going to, uh, um, I think it's reciprocity or whatever, where we accept one another's laws. If you have a driver's license. Uh, in Utah, you're allowed to drive in Alabama or Maine or wherever, Texas, you are. Um, you know, there was the general welfare had to do with the protection and safety of the people with virtually uniform laws, uh, protection from enemies, uh, foreign and domestic, uh, in a stabilizing way. It was a stabilizing effort that we need to kind of understand um, in, in the nation. It had to do with general welfare, a, a stabilizing effect uh, and a, and a, a congruency uh, between the united... Uh, states. That's what general welfare was intended to be for. It wasn't welfare like put everybody on the dole, and it wasn't welfare meaning pulling the lever of government in the favor of the few at the expense of the many, such as forgiving student loan. Uh, you know, you might say, hey, we think all radio talk show hosts ought to get a huge raise. They've been doing such a phenomenal job. The taxpayers ought to pay for a big raise for all radio hosts. Well, I happen to be a radio host, but I'm saying no, that isn't well the general welfare that they're talking about. We're talking about stability and continuity when we talk about the general welfare, as well as trust and protection uh, in a system that doesn't move as sand under your feet, but is stable and, and, and your ability to respond is consistent and your ability to, to perform your day-to-day -day living uh, in, a, in, a, in a stable environment and things. That was the general welfare. Uh, it reminds me of asking you, Lowell, how are you faring, my friend? And you say, you know what? I'm doing great, sir. Okay, we're talking about that kind of general welfare, Lowell. Yeah, great point, Sam. Now, this uh, Biden's action might end up in court, and if the courts uphold his actions, um, which, you know, they may or may not do, if, but if the courts do uphold his action, then as many as 43 million Americans could have significant amounts or even all of their student debt forgiven. Now, what does it mean to forgive a debt? Well, it doesn't just disappear. The debt gets added to the national debt, which is to be paid by taxpayers, either in direct taxes or via the hidden inflation tax. But either way, it has to be paid. 
In other words, Ron writes, though these loans will be paid off in part by taxpayers who did not go to college, paid their own way through school, or have already paid off their student loans. And then, Sam, he makes this stunning observation, quote, since those with college degrees tend to earn more over time than those without them, this program redistributes wealth from lower to higher income Americans, end quote. Boy, just let that sink in for a minute. And once again, government intervention with good intention ends up hurting the ones they wanted to help in the first place, right? I mean, the student loan for debt forgiveness program is intended to help the less fortunate. But what it ends up doing, it hurts the ones who are less able to, get to go to school and benefits those who already did go to school. It's a wealth redistribution program from the lower to the higher income American. But it doesn't and ladies stop and gentlemen, there. what it creates is a moral hazard too, Lola. I want you to kind of highlight this because, you know, we're talking about uh, when you do this, you create a moral hazard in the nation, though. Exactly right. And that hazard is that the schools, they benefit from the, uh, the debt forgiveness. And, and, and what ends up happening is that they will raise their tuition. They will charge more uh, for the, you know, uh, they will charge more from the students who, who want to go to school because they just happen to know that, you know, last time, you know, the student uh, uh, debts were forgiven. And so we can charge more the next time around because it'll get forgiven again. And, and so, you know, Sam, we just need more people to understand this very simple principle that the welfare warfare state and the fiat monetary system that underlies the welfare warfare state are both impractical and immoral. Impractical because it is unsustainable. I mean, it can't go on forever, in other words. And it's immoral because it is dishonest. It steals from one group of people and gives to another group of people. And, and that's why Paul, Ron Paul entitled his column, is a very good title, Biden's Student Debt Forgiveness Scheme is Unforgivable. <laughs> great, great title for that column, Sam. And ladies and gentlemen, we need to understand that we need to stop him from doing this. And it started with, you know, we, government school in the first place, the 10th plank of the Communist Manifesto, is kind of at the, the start of this. What happens is we say, oh, well, education is different. It's a must. We need to be educated or we'll lose our liberties. We have to do this. And then we fall into this lie that it's okay to take money from one group to give to another. But then the lies and the moral hazard just expands. Pretty soon it'll be universal income and universal education for everyone for free. But it's never free, lol. We'll talk about that when we come back on Liberty Roundtable Live. There has been no evidence of widespread voter fraud. The 2020 elections were one of the most corrupt in history. See the proof for yourself. We tracked 2,000 mules making multiple ballot drops. 2,000 mules, a shocking new movie from Dinesh D'Souza. One mule made 53 trips to 20 drop boxes. 2,000 mules. Join the special virtual premiere and Q&A on May 7th. Get your tickets now. Available only at 2000mules.com. 2000mules.com. Sponsored by Salem Media Group. 
Small Business Tech Guys is a team of experts ready to assist you with any service relating to growing your business. Our team specializes in information and technology, social media, general consulting, and HR. We thrive on assisting startup entrepreneurs with growing their businesses. If it's small business, it's our cup of tea. To schedule your free discovery call today, consider sbtechguys.com. We keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. sbtechguys.com. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married and have some kids. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Liberty Roundtable Live this morning. We've just been talking about Biden's student debt forgiveness scheme, how the, the fact that it is unforgivable because it's a wealth transfer payment system from those who are less uh, wealthy to those who are more wealthy, from lower to higher income Americans. This expectation that more student loan debt will be forgiven, what does that do? Well, that encourages more students to take out loans. And it also gives colleges a new incentive to raise their tuition. So not only are you going to be paying for this debt uh, giveaway, this, this debt forgiveness program in future years, and your children will be paying for it, but um, there's going to be higher prices at the universities uh, over and over again. Well, not only that, but, uh, you know, the Ron Paul Institute does a conference every year. Let's talk a little bit about the anatomy of a police state. That was the theme of the conference this week. There was actually last week the conference was held over the weekend. Boy, that would be a great conference to go to. I'd love to get there. Maybe maybe next year or the year after I'll be able to, to take time and do that. But their theme was anatomy of a police state. Now, as the conference webpage states, authoritarianism is on the march. The police state advances. In near darkness, we find the greatest opportunity to make the case for liberty. You know, that, that, that is very interesting observation because, you know, when everything is going good, when we got peace and prosperity abounding, people don't really vigilantly anyway watch their liberties. They don't protect them. They don't defend them the way they do when they begin to be taken from them, right? So in this near darkness, we're in this, we're moving toward a darker place where our liberties are, are more curtailed, our freedoms are vanishing. In this near darkness, that's where we find the greatest opportunity to make the case for liberty. Um, you know, in, in fact, in my mom's case, uh, she didn't really start to study about health until she lost her health. 
right? When she was on her deathbed, that's when she decided, you know what, I better find out about my health. I need to recover my health. I need to live. And so she, she got to work. She studied. She recovered her health and uh, taught the rest of her family how to be health, healthy. Well, we do that also in a political environment. The body politic does that. I mean, if, if, you, if we lose our freedom or if we lose a portion of our freedom, then we become very interested, keenly interested in preserving the ones we still have and, and recovering, regaining the ones we have lost. Well, that's the, the, that's the situation in which we find ourselves today. Now, I didn't attend the conference last weekend, but I really like there's this one point that Jacob Hornberger raises in his column here. This, his column is posted at the ronpaulinstitute.org. Um, and the point that he raises is this, the fact that very little of the conference will focus on the tyranny of foreign regimes. <laughs> well, I thought that was a little peculiar, but as I thought about it, you know, it made a lot of sense. In Hornberger's own words, how much time do I spend focusing on the tyranny of foreign regimes? About 2% of my time, he answers his own question. Well, what does Hornberger spend his time on then? <laughs> Listen to this. Because none of them has ever taken away my rights and freedoms. The regime that has taken away my rights and freedoms is the U.S. government. I would rather spend 98% of my time focusing on the regime that has taken away my rights and freedoms rather than get distracted by foreign regimes that have taken away the rights and freedoms of their citizenry. After all, I want to be free. I want to live in a free society. I'm still quoting Hornberger here. Given that, there, that this is one of my principal goals in life, why should I spend my time focusing on the lack of freedom in Russia, China, North Korea, and elsewhere? How does that bring me closer to a free society here at home? In fact, it's definitely in the interest of U.S. officials to have Americans focusing their attention on the tyranny and wrongdoing of foreign regimes, especially Russia and China. The more that Americans focus on those foreign regimes, the less they will focus on the destruction and restoration of their rights and freedoms here at home. End of quote. Well, you know, that I was just quoting Jacob Hornberger there. It really makes a lot of sense, eh? I mean, I think so. The, the lamestream media, of course, they, they want to help to distract us from the loss of our freedoms here at the hands of our own government. They broadcast news about these foreign regimes. Why? <laughs> well, because of several reasons. Most likely, uh, they have a blind spot when it comes to domestic tyranny. In other words, they don't recognize the fact that they're losing their freedoms or losing liberties here at home. And they, number two, they consider the regime, the U.S. regime, to, to be faultless, right? The U.S. administration, we can do no wrong, we can do no harm. This is this, uh, this idea that, uh, that we, we, we cannot make mistakes. We don't make mistakes. We're the U.S. We're the United States of America where freedom abounds and where, you know, uh, you know, the individual liberty is, is enthroned, right? We, 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 we don't make mistakes here. So, so not only are they blind, uh, do they have, do the, does the lamestream media have blind spots about domestic tyranny, but they think that the U.S. regime can't, can't do any harm, can't do any wrong. And, and the third reason, uh, is the mainstream media, is that they're scared to expose or to criticize the U.S. regime for its wrongdoing for fear that U.S. officials will do to them what they have done to Julian Assange in 2016.
need to focus on what we need to do here in our, you know, domestically to rid our country of tyrannical scourges right here, to rid our city, our county, our state of the, the tyranny that abounds right here at home. So a great article by Jacob Hornberger there. Again, it's posted at ronpaulinstitute.org. You can read the whole thing. I mean, it's a, it's a great article. I just picked out one point from his article to, to, to talk about because I thought it was very interesting about, the, the, you know, his, his point is that we shouldn't spend time focusing on the tyranny in other nations. We should spend time focusing on the tyranny of, you know, our own governments here at home. Of, of governments and our corporations, this uh, private part, private public partnerships, uh, basically another name for fascism, right? That's happening right here at home, and and that's where we should spend our, our focus. That's where we should spend our time. And so, speaking of that, <laughs> we need to to jump into this uh, this next topic, which is the that the, the COVID jab should be banned for pregnant women. Now, this, this is a column by Dr. Joseph Mercola, uh, posted at lourockwell.com. Now, Mercola brings up, uh, I mean, he, he packs a boatload of information in, in every article he writes, and I see one there at least every week. Great, great articles. And the one I'm talking about, well, almost every day, actually. <laughs> anyway, this one posted at lourockwell.com begins this way. He says, since the rollout of the experimental COVID shots, U.S. health officials have adamantly claimed the shots are, are, are safe for pregnant women and have been urging all pregnant women to get the jab, quote, to protect themselves and their babies, end quote. Well, even today, folks, the CDC says that COVID-19 vaccination during pregnancy is, yep, you guessed it, safe and effective. Ha. Huh and that there is no evidence that any vaccines, including COVID-19 vaccines, cause fertility problems in women or men. Well, that's what the CDC says, but all this time, ladies and gentlemen, they have had Pfizer data showing that the clot shots cause miscarriages and other problems. 270 pregnancies were reported in vaccinated women during the first 12 weeks of the vaccine campaign. Okay, I'm talking when the vaccines were, you know, first came out last year, right? But in most of them, no outcome was provided. It turns out that they only knew the outcome of 32 of the pregnancies. Okay, this is Pfizer. This is Pfizer data, right, before the, the vaccines were released to the public. What happened in those 32 cases? There were... 23 spontaneous abortions, and two spontaneous abortions with intrauterine death. In other words, folks, 25 of the 32 pregnancies with known outcomes resulted in a miscarriage. That's a rate of 78%. That's a death rate, 78%, folks. Now, now note that miscarriage normally occurs in only 12 to 15% of pregnancies. Okay, so... It's just it's just upside down, right? You know, so 78, roughly four out of five pregnancies, they end badly with spontaneous abortions. If if you're a woman that has the clot shot, and um, and 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 then you'll have a spontaneous abortion four out of five times, folks. We will we'll be back after this break, folks, and we'll continue our discussion 
of the the uh, the problem with the COVID jab among pregnant women. Pursuing liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pry. Tennessee heiress Eliza Fletcher's kidnapping early Friday morning has resulted in an arrest. A resident at her vigil on Fox News over the weekend. And she's just a beautiful person, and um, it's just awful to see the evil that's in the world. Police say they have video of the abduction, and they have arrested Cleota Abstin, who is not cooperating with police. His bail is set at $500,000, and the whereabouts of Ms. Fletcher is still unknown. Responding to President Biden's scathing assessment of Republicans last week, President Trump held a rally in Pennsylvania on Saturday. But Philadelphia was a great choice because the city is being devastated under Democrat rule. Devastated. We love Pennsylvania. I went to school in Philadelphia. What's happening to Philadelphia? Fourteen people were shot last weekend in Philadelphia. Fourteen. Wendy Bell here for my friends at Swiss America. Did you know the U.S. Constitution authorizes only two forms of legitimate money, gold and silver? That's right. But our government abandoned gold and silver a half century ago. Meanwhile, gold and silver prices have rocketed in recent years due to growing economic uncertainty. So to help my listeners, Swiss America has a very special offer today. Silver Walking Liberty half dollars at the amazingly low price of $12.50 each delivered. You heard me right, $12.50. Call now to reserve your silver coins at 800 630 1490. That's 800 630 1490. Silver Walking Liberty half dollars for just $12.50 each delivered while supplies last. Put a silver lining in your financial portfolio now by calling 800 630 1490. 800 630 1490. President Biden failed on another campaign promise made in August of 2020. I promise you, as president, I'll never put you in the middle of politics. A personal vendettas, I'll never use the military as a prop. President Biden used the United States Marine Corps as a prop for his campaign scathing of Republicans last week in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania GOP gubernatorial candidate Doug Mastriano on Newsmax. And we come in uh, with a Sleepy Joe giving a very dark, sinister speech, you know, painting his political adversaries as, as, as these enemies of the state, you know, bedecked with Marines behind him. That's probably a hash act violation of some sort there. I didn't hear anything about China or Iran, or about our energy crisis. It was all about trying to destroy his political foes. So a man in Mississippi decides to steal a plane. A man in Mississippi police say notified them he was flying a plane and intended to crash it into a Walmart is now in police custody. After circling above remote areas for more than an hour, the plane crashed in a remote area with no casualties. Welcome back to, ladies and gentlemen, Biden's student debt forgiveness scheme. It's unforgivable. Uh, it's impractical because it's unsustainable. It's immoral because it is dishonest. It steals from one group of people and gives to another. And then we uh, hit the Ron Paul Institute conference over the weekend, uh, just highlighting one point from Jacob Hornberger's article there. 
about the importance of focusing on the tyranny here at home rather than the tyranny of foreign regimes. So that's what we're doing, folks. We're talking about the COVID jab, how it should be banned for pregnant women. Why? Well, because if you're a pregnant woman and you get the jab, then especially in the first trimester, chances are you will have a miscarriage. At least Pfizer knew that. Four out of five women they followed during the test had miscarriages if they got the COVID jab in the first trimester. Well, the CDC to this day urges pregnant women to take a shot they know will cause babies to die. Folks, this is criminal. It is evil. And the fact that both the FDA and the CDC accepted this and claim there's no evidence of harm to pregnant women and their babies is proof positive of reprehensible maleficence, right? Maleficence. This is criminal activity, ladies and gentlemen. Well, do you need any more evidence? They've got it right here. Dr. Mercola, in his article posted at LouRockwell.com, he says in a study sponsored by the CDC and published in the New England Journal of Medicine in April of 21, that's April of last year, that's about, what, uh, the year and a half ago, the miscarriage rate is 82%. Now, in their study, they had 104 miscarriages, 96 of them occurred before the 13 weeks of gestation, which strongly suggests that getting a COVID shot during the first trimester is an absolute recipe for disaster. You want to kill your baby? You get the COVID jab in the first trimester, basically is what they've discovered. Well, as of August 12th, just three weeks ago, folks, the VAERS database listed 4,941 miscarriages, okay, almost 5,000 miscarriages post-COVID jab, okay? 5,000 miscarriages among those who took the COVID jab. But the fetal death reports for all other vaccines reported to VAERS in the last 30 years, only 2,200. The number actually is 2,239. But as you can see, the, the VAERS database just since the COVID jab began to be administered the last year, year and a half, 5,000 miscarriages in just a year, year and a half, and, and, and compared with about 2,200 miscarriages in the last 30 years for all other vaccines combined, folks. The COVID jab, basically, it's a death sentence for your baby if you get it in the first trimester of your pregnancy. Now, Dr. McCullough's column is what I call data heavy. <laughs> data heavy, right? Lots of data in his column. He observed that birth rates, and so let's, let's look at some more evidence here. Birth rates worldwide are plummeting. I mean, that means they're going down. They are plummeting. In Germany, for example, 10% decline in birth rate during the first quarter of this year. That's 2022. There is a 14% drop in Sweden, a 15% drop in Switzerland, 10% drop in the UK, 23% drop in Taiwan, 20% drop in Hungary, and 10% drop in North Dakota. I just throw that in there because, you know, it's not only happening in foreign countries, it's happening here at home. Now, in, for comparison, in the five countries with the highest COVID jab uptake, meaning, you know, the five countries who are who are, you know, whose, whose populations are getting the, the COVID clot shot the most, fertility has dropped by an average of 15%. Whereas the five countries with the lowest COVID jab uptake, 
they've seen an average reduction of just 4.66%. So roughly, you know, 15% if you're in a country that does a lot of the COVID jab and only 5% um, in the countries where, you know, like African countries and so forth, that they don't do the COVID clot shot. And so as of August 12th, again, the VAERS database listed 31,000, over 31,000 reports of menstrual disorders. Data from Scotland shows that neonatal deaths were 119% higher than the annual norm. And not only that, folks, we, that's all talking about female fertility, and, and, but, it, but, but male fertility is also affected adversely by the clot shot. So bottom line here, ladies and gentlemen, there's too many young people dying, too many people becoming disabled, too many pregnancies resulting in fetal death or neonatal death. You know, my question for you folks, when will the world wake up to this unfolding tragedy? Well, very soon, I hope. And we can only make it, we can only wake people up if we talk about it, which is why we talk about it right here on Liberty Roundtable one of the blessings of our modern media, alternative media, folks, Liberty Roundtable Live, where you hear the data right here first. And, uh, and, and so not only are you warned, but please warn your neighbors. If you know somebody who's thinking about, you know, getting a clot shot and they're, in preg and they're, they're, they're pregnant, boy, show them the data, help them make a wise decision Otherwise, they're going to be hurting in a world of hurt, folks. Um, so what's another thing that we ought to be focusing on here at home, right? Instead of the tyranny in foreign regimes, well, there's tyranny coming right to your back door, right here in River City. Digitizing your identity, that is a fast track to slavery, folks. And uh, so how are you going to defend your freedom? That's the question. Well, Let's talk about the fast track to slavery here, this digitization of your identity. Well, folks, it begins with a birth certificate. And on this birth certificate, which identifies your name, your gender, your birth date, your birth location, your parents, and so forth, that's the beginning of your identity card, basically, right? And it grows up from there. Maybe your name and photo appears in the school yearbook. I know mine did. All four years, right? Now, maybe the photo on your driver's license, if you have a driver's license in your pocket, like me, right? A photo on your employee ID badge, maybe. A background check before you can work for the company you're working for, for example. Maybe an iris scan or a fingerprint or a voice print or maybe just a sample of your DNA that you sent in for an ancestry search. I mean, think of all the possible ways that you are identified now, each of these incidents, and, and many more like them, they come with a price tag. They come with a cost. It's what I call an identity cost. Well, um, it, it doesn't stop there. You're also associated with your bank account, um, your academic record, your employment record, your health record, your vaccination records, legal records, including traffic violations, Internet search activity, and any other information compiled by or submitted to a government authority, corporation, or other entity. You know, just, be, just because it, it doesn't go to the government doesn't mean it's not going to be tracked, right? Because of this private-public uh, partnership uh, going on, another name for fascism, but, you know, the government cooperates 
or attempts to cooperate with business, big business. And if you're a big business that is, that's benefited from bailouts from the government, then you're indebted to the government, and they, they exact a price. And so they may force you to, to provide uh, back ends and, and uh, loopholes, ways to get into um, all of this, uh, you know, computerized information that, uh, that, you know, is your signature to the world. Basically, your activity online is, is, is kind of who you are. Um, and these data are used to generate your social credit score, which, depending on the country in which you live, is already or soon will be used to determine what you can and cannot do. Think about facial recognition technology, too, folks. That is vastly expanding the capacity of the surveillance state, especially in shopping centers and on your computer. This has all been done fundamentally so that one day soon now you can be locked in a technological prison that is being created around you. This technological prison being promoted under the guise of smart cities is being built around you as cities are converted to smart by installing 5G and other technologies necessary for comprehensive surveillance and control. Uh, this is, uh, I'm, I'm quoting now an article um, that appeared in LewRockwell.com, written by Robert Burroughs, right? He's the one who wrote this article. He says, despite the positive spin endlessly put on these projects by governments and corporations, the fundamental outcome is that you'll re you will require a digital ID to do those particular things that the elite has decided you'll be allowed to do, and you won't be able to do anything else. This is usually called slavery, folks, except that in this new technological world, virtually all of the slaves will be transhuman with no independent will of their own. Talk about sustainable development. We'll hear more about this after this word on Liberty Roundtable Live. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8:44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the Lion of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. If the COVID-19 shot is safe and effective, then why are 20% of healthcare workers refusing to get it? If the COVID-19 injection is safe and effective, then why is big tech silencing anyone who opposes it? If the COVID injection is safe and effective, then why is our federal government's reporting system recording over 14,000 deaths from the vaccine and an additional 650,000 plus 
serious adverse reactions. If the COVID shot is safe and effective, then why did Dr. Gert Vandenbosch, recognized as one of the world's chief vaccine experts, risk his entire career and his reputation to plead with the medical community to immediately halt all COVID-19 vaccinations, calling mass COVID vaccinations an uncontrollable monster? Doesn't sound very safe and effective. Maybe it's time to call a spade a spade. At no time in history have the people forcing others into compliance been the good guys. Paid for by Ammon Bundy for Governor. VoteBundy.com. Promoting God, family, and country. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Radio. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, Round Liberty Roundtable Live, right here on your radio, your internet, uh, on-demand podcast. You've got it all right here on Liberty Roundtable Live. We've been talking about the fast track to slavery, how digitizing your identity is a fast track to slavery. In a 2019 report, the United Nations stated this, quote, we recommend that by 2030, every adult should have affordable access to digital networks, as well as digitally enabled financial and health services as a means to make a substantial contribution to achieving the sustainable development goals, end of quote. Well, such documents, folks, they outline why identity is important to access certain rights and services, such as banking and voting and owning property, but they do not specify why a digital version of identity is necessary. You ever thought about that? See, this is a key thing, folks. They say that, well, if you're going to access the bank services or if you're going to go to vote or if you're going to own property, you have to have a digital identity, right? In other words, you have to play into their system. Well, nobody's asking the question, why? And that's the question we should be asking, why? Why do I have to have a digital identity just to open a bank account? That wasn't the case when I was a kid, right? I just walk into the bank, I tell them my name, and they look at me and I say, yep, I'm Frank Nelson's boy, I'm Lowell Nelson, and, uh, and uh, you have an account here with us, or you have a savings account, and uh, we'll take good care of your money, thank you very much. And so I just put my money in the bank and save it up, right? Save it for college, save it for, uh, for uh, a mission. I mean, all of the reasons that people save money, and that's all I had to do. I didn't have to have a digital identity to have a bank account when I was a kid. And I don't even right now, folks, but, um, but that's coming real soon uh, uh, to, to, to a bank near you, to a credit union near you. See, as Peggy Johnson of Microsoft gushed recently, quote, it's exciting to imagine a world where safe and secure digital identities are possible, providing everyone with an essential building block to every right and opportunity they deserve, end of quote. Well, just remember, folks, that if some government or corporation is enabled to give you every right and opportunity you deserve, well, then that same government or corporation will be able to deny you such rights and opportunities, right? So they are playing God here. They want to be in the place that, uh, you know, know, your rights, your opportunities, they come with your birth. They come from your creator, from your God. Well, government wants to displace God. These corporations, the big tech cooperating with government, they want to displace God, and they want to be the ones to make sure that you get every right and opportunity you deserve. Don't buy it, folks. Don't take the hook, line, and sinker 
there because if they are the ones who are deemed uh, responsible to guarantee your every right and opportunity, then they are also going to be the ones to deny you such rights and opportunities. Well, so we have to ask ourselves the question, how far along this road have we traveled? Well, here are some progress reports. Nigeria will be a testing ground for Microsoft's digital ID tech. Greece rolls out digital wallets for its citizens. ID and driver's license is now on the phone. That's in Greece, folks. So there's Nigeria and Greece. How about Australia? Australia began microchipping people in 2016. Let that sink in. That's six years ago, folks. And thousands of Swedish people are swapping ID cards for microchips. Why? Why are they doing this? Well, it's more convenient, folks. <laughs> right? I mean, it's easier. I mean, how, how nice is it? How, how fun is it just to walk up to your car and open the door? It, it, it unlocks itself because it knows that, that you're carrying the fob, right, the key fob in your pocket. You don't even have to click the button. It just recognizes the fob is close to it, and it opens, it unlocks the doors for you. I mean, that's pretty cool. That's pretty convenient. And uh, if you want to, you know, if you want to hook your your home up to the Internet so you can control things from your home over the Internet, that's pretty cool, right? That's convenient. But if you can do it over the Internet, if you can control your your home devices and appliances, lights and stuff, from over the internet, that means somebody else could too. The government could control that. What about the the cars that uh, um, you know notify um, the manufacturer when you're in a wreck, right? They can shut down your car in a heartbeat over the internet, um, and so that you're just surrendering your sovereignty. You're surrendering your independence to some government entity or some corporation when you buy into this stuff. And once, you see, the problem is that once your identity is linked to other more important functions, then you lose control of your life. It, you know, it, the, the control of your life gets, gets taken away from you. You know, so what, what, what if your identity chip is linked to your driver's license and to your car? How far do you think you'd be able to travel from home? Uh, could you go shopping for food? Could you drive to work? Could you even go on a vacation? Could you even board a plane or a train or a bus? I mean, these are questions that we need to be asking ourselves. This invasion of our, our digital privacy is very real. I mean, I was just at a meeting last Saturday, uh, just in a, a good um, woman in our neighborhood invited a bunch of us over to her place to talk about the digitization of information, people's identity, and, and it's an assault on our privacy is what it is. Because the more this information gets out into the public, either the government sector or to private corporations that work with government, the less independent we are, the less control we have over our lives. You know, what if you had a, such a poor credit score that you are deemed unfit as a parent? And because of that, your children are taken away from you. I mean, that's pretty serious. But, you know, if you have a poor credit score, you know, in China then you are restricted in your activities. But what if you have such a poor credit score and, and so you, you're deemed unfit as a parent and they take your children away from you? you I mean, just, they would destroy your life, destroy your family. Well, this is Solutions Radio, right? I mean, we're not just going to complain about the problems. We do want to articulate 
identify the problems we face, but then we also want to give you some, some uh, solutions here. And now Robert Burroughs, who wrote this article, suggests that what we need to do, we need to resist the digitization of our identities. Now, he recommends a website. That website is wearehumanwearefree.org. Wearehumanwearefree.org. Now, I checked out this website last night, and on one page there's a list of about eight things that we can do. Now, listen to these solutions, folks. Uh, there's nothing new here, probably, <laughs> but just listen to these. These are great recommendations. Refuse the COVID-19 injections, tests, and passports. Big Pharma is not honest or safe. Choose natural health. And I will underscore that last suggestion over and over again. Choose natural health. That's the real solution, folks, to be truly independent of Big Pharma, is to take responsibility for your own health and to build your own immune system, right? God granted you, blessed you with a body very capable of overcoming any pathogen on earth. And, uh, and so if you build your natural health, you won't have any fear of these pathogens, you know, whether they're artificial or naturally occurring. Uh, bullet point number two, don't wear masks or social distance. Staying human is more important than living in fear. Next suggestion, don't buy 5G or smart devices or systems. Resist the fourth industrial revolution. Defend our humanity. Next one, pay with cash. Switch to community-owned banks. Grow your own food. Join local trading schemes. I think that's a very important one. Have your own garden. Have your own orchard. Grow your own food. Very, very important. Uh, next one, keep your small business open during lockdowns. Buy from small businesses. Don't use contact tracing or QR codes. Um, next one, boycott corporate or government media that misinform and censor. Choose uncensored media and social media. Keep listening to <laughs> Liberty Roundtable, in other words. Don't pay COVID-19-related fines. Risk becoming a prisoner of conscience and, of course, seek support. And this final suggestion, wear an orange armband scarf or ribbon to show solidarity with the movement. Now, I haven't really seen orange ribbons around, but, I mean, kind of a fun idea. And it does let other people know that you are here to um, to contest the uh, the establishment's move toward this great reset. An orange ribbon, armband, or scarf, very interesting idea. So it's an interesting website. Again, it is wearehumanwearefree.org. Wearehumanwearefree.org. You know, I've only looked at it briefly. I uh, haven't looked at the whole site, but I'm going to take another look at it after the show here and uh, become more familiar with it. Now, the last item I want to cover on this show this morning is, um, comes out of, it's a story out of Colorado. There is a power company there that seized control of thermostats in Colorado just last week or maybe two weeks ago during the heat wave. Now, this story comes out of Summit News, and uh, basically it's illustrating the previous point, right? Why I said earlier that if you connect your appliances, your home, your energy sources, you know, to the Internet, then you're going to be at the mercy of anybody who can, you know, can control, uh, can talk on the Internet uh, and or hack into your devices, right? So here's the story. Around 22,000 households in Colorado 
lost the ability to control their thermostats after the power company seized control of them during a heat wave. I think this was just last week, folks. After temperatures soared past 90 degrees, residents were left confused when they tried to adjust their air conditioning and found locked controls displaying a message that said, energy emergency. <laughs> wow. I mean, here you are, you've got an air conditioning system in your home, and it's so hot that you turn up the air conditioning to cool things, and then and, and you're locked out. You can't do it because the power company seized control of your thermostat. You don't have control of your thermostat. That's what happened in Colorado. Affected 22,000 households. Wow. I mean, this story is just another example of how smart meters will pave the way for energy rationing. So, folks, be careful about connecting your home, your appliances, and so forth to the Internet or in making them smart, with the, you know, quote-unquote smart. You might just find yourself at the end of a chain that gets jerked from time to time or whenever you get out of line. <laughs> and if that sounds bad, just imagine what will happen if, if, if net zero green energy climate lockdowns become normalized. You know, I, I don't, we don't have AC here in our home. We still have a swamp cooler. That means that I control whether we have cool air blowing in our home or not. Well, I guess I don't because I do depend on the uh, power company for electricity. And so, you know, maybe I need to rectify that. Uh, people in major European countries are already having their thermostats regulated in response to the energy crisis. In Spain, already authorities have controversially banned air conditioning from dropping below 80 degrees Fahrenheit in non-residential buildings. Wow. So, folks, if you don't want to be at the mercy of a power company or a government bureau, avoid smart devices. Avoid connecting yourself, your home, and energy sources to the Internet. And thank you for joining us here on the Liberty Roundtable Live this morning. Uh, we here follow the blueprint for liberty, the Constitution, the compact among the several states, and hope that you will do too, folks. Stay tuned tomorrow, same time, eight. Uh, what is it? Seven, it's eight o'clock and nine o'clock hours here on Liberty Roundtable Live.